Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. If we haven't met before, my name's Chet. Um, I'm the I'm the pastor at our University City campus. Um, you see, it's it's no place like it. 8105 IBM Drive in the north side of Charlotte. I love you. I love you. I love you. And it's such an honor to be able to open up God's word with you today. And uh, I'm excited about it. I'm really, really excited about it. God's been dealing with me over the last, um, really, I feel like God's been showing me this message over the last year. And uh, to be able to have a moment to release it today, I'm full. I'm really, really, really full. And uh, before I jump into God's word, I just got to tell you, I love my church. Do you love your church? Do you love your church? I, I love my church. I love my church. Um, you know, in a week like this week when you all have been scrolling on Instagram, watching the news, seeing the devastation of Hurricane Ian, um, this week I got to see God move in such a powerful way, but I love the, the vision of our church. See what God can do through you. And, and so we've been praying this week as a church. We've been praying for families and praying for everybody that's been affected, but not only praying, we've been showing up. Your church has been showing up. I wanted to just share a couple of things with you. Um, I mean, we're partnering with over nine partners to, across the Melbourne and, and Orlando area with our, with our campuses there. Matter of fact, today is, uh, is Coop's birthday, our Melbourne campus pa- pastor. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. But, but when I was thinking about all that's going on, like, I mean, Convoy of Hope, Samaritan's Purse, uh, Mission and Hope are on the ground providing relief efforts right now. Earlier this year, maybe you packed some of these hygiene kits. I'm talking about 50,000 hygiene kits that are being distributed right now. We've given Convoy of Hope over $500,000 in supplies and $250,000 to go towards disaster relief efforts. Tell your neighbors, say, I love, I love, I love, I love my church. We don't just talk about making a difference. We are making a difference. And um, 
At the beginning of October, I could not stand on this stage and not honor my pastors, Pastor Stephen and Holly and Holly Burton. Tell your neighbor, say, I love my pastors. I love my pastors. Um, I got to sneak in to reflect and I snuck in at UC and, and Holly was just so surgical in the way that she ministered to the women of our church. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see God continue to give her fresh revelation and continue to inspire through our groups ministry, all that Holly's doing. It's amazing. But when I thought about Pastor Stephen, it would be easy to sit and talk about the messages, the sermons and the songs that God has used him to release into the world. You know, maybe, you know, like me, I, I, I sometimes hear these messages. I'm like, is he bugging my phone? Has he been following me? Um, but I really wanted to tell you guys about a moment um, that we had in a, in a, in a staff meeting. Um, I was leading this staff meeting. It was a whole staff, um, all of our campuses, all of our central teams, the digital team, the HR team. Everybody was together. Everybody was together in the room, all of our campus, inside Charlotte, outside Charlotte. We were all together in one room. We were worshiping. We were praying. We had some updates, some things to share. And I'm leading this meeting. And we had some prayer time. And uh, I'm up leading. And uh, I, I, I look down and I make eye contact with Pastor and uh, he just waves for me to come off the stage. So I was like, oh, what did I do? <laughs> what, did I, what did I do? I walked downstage and I got next to him and he says, give LB the microphone. I said, did I, what did I mess up? I'm, I'm, I thought I was doing a good job. He said, bow your head. And he put his hands on my shoulders and he began to pray for me. And the first thing that he said, the first thing that he said was, the word of the Lord is, is rest. God says, sleep well tonight. Pastor didn't know. I didn't call him and tell him that there were a few nights that I was just up late and I couldn't sleep because who knows that life be life in sometimes. Things, things be happening sometimes and, and life doesn't stop because I'm struggling and I'm going through something. I still have to show up. And in that moment, he prayed for me spoke life into me. And in that moment, I knew that he cared more about me as a man. He cared more about me as the husband that he's called me to be, the father that he's called me to be, than anything that I could ever do on a stage or in a pulpit. And for that, I'm so forever grateful. I love, I love, I love my pastors. And uh, he asked me to preach today, and that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 41. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 41 and read a few scriptures. And I'm believing that God's going to show up in a powerful, powerful way. We're going to start at verse 38. We're going to start at verse 38. We're going to spend some time with Joseph today. And this is what it says. It says, so Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all things known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. I got to pause right there and give the wives a little heads up. This would be a good verse for you to send to your husband. Just send it from time to time. Add some hearts and some kissy faces in it. Just listen to what they said. Can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all of this known to you, there is no one so discerning and so wise. Send it, send it this week. You might get a, you might get a, um, a blessing. Verse 40. 
It says, you shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his senate ring from his finger and he put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. If I was talking to my boys or to the youth, they would say, He's, Joseph's getting drippy. His drip goes hard. That's what they would have said. That's what they would have said. Verse 43, it says, he had him ride in a chariot, a second in command. And all the people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in Egypt. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you. Give us ears to hear what you have to say. Open our hearts to receive whatever it is you want to speak to us. Have your way in this place. We love you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Before you take your seat, I need you to look at your neighbor to the left, look at your neighbor to the right, and, uh, and I need you to give them both a compliment. Now, a real compliment. Give them a compliment. If you smell their cologne, tell them you smell good. If, you like their hair, their makeup, say, who did it? You can be seated, you can be seated, you can be seated. It's something about encouragement that just made you smile, didn't it? You know, when you release that compliment, it just does something, it just does something, it just does something. But hey, I want to start with this. Um, you know, many of you we haven't got to meet before, and uh, one of the things you want to know about me is I am very competitive. I'm extremely competitive. I don't care what it is. A matter of fact, we got a spades tournament coming up for the staff. Do I have any real spades player? Any real spades player? In the- we'll find out this week. Now, I won't say his name, but I've been getting some texts that uh, I'm talking a little smack and. And, uh, you know, you see here, me and my partner, we got some chemistry. We've been doing this for a little bit. We won some, some, some competitions, some tournaments in the past. And, you know, but, uh, but Chunk's been texting me talking about I'm going to go down this week and just pray, just pray. I don't get let go or anything after. After I handle some business, I'm extremely competitive. I don't care what it is. Even if I'm playing checkers, like even if I'm playing checkers, I mean, I mean, smoke before fire. Who knows how to play flying kings, flying kings, flying kings? I'm, I'm real. I'm real. I'm real. But there's a, there's a moment in the game of checkers where the tables turn. You know, when you're making your way from one side of the board all the way to the other side of the board, you don't jump some pieces. Some of your pieces have gotten jumped, and then you make it into that spot. You make it into that spot. And now, if you're like me, you're real competitive. When you get to that spot, you say it with swagger. You know, you say it with your chest. You step into it, and what do you say? King me. Hey, the title of my message today is King me. King me, king me, king me. Because I believe that some of you are waiting until you get to a certain position. You get to a certain spot 
And when you get there, you'll be able to have so much authority, so much power. The thing about the game of checkers, I love it, I love it, I love it, because when I get to that spot, the other player, my opponent, has to take a piece that they took from me. They have to take a piece that they took from me, place it on my piece, and say, King me. Maybe you'll take a moment and praise God because there's some things that's been taken from you. And you're like, I need my peace back. I need my joy back. I, I, I need to be happy again. I, I feel like I'm losing energy. Give it back. Give it back. Give it back. And there's something about when you get to that spot. From that moment on, I'm talking junk the rest of the game. I'm talking junk the rest of the game. But this is where, we're, this is where we are in Joseph's life. You see, he's at this moment where, you know, he's given charge over all of Egypt. And, and I don't know about you, I, I actually, I dreamed. I dreamed of being the man. Like, I dreamed of it. I dreamed of being the captain on my basketball team. I dreamed. I dreamed of it. You know, I dreamed. I dreamed of having a beautiful wife and perfect kids. I did. Here's a picture of my family. They have it up on the screens. I, I, I dreamed of this. I, I really did of a beautiful wife. I got a beautiful wife. She's God. God did that. He did that. I'm still praying for perfect kids. I, I love my boys. I love them. I love them. They are amazing. They're amazing. They're amazing. I love them. I love them. I love them. You know, I dreamed. I dreamed of having you know, a, a, a big house with a white picket fence and all oh, that. I dreamed of it. I dreamed of having it one day. But here's the thing I didn't dream of. I didn't dream of painting that fence. I, I didn't dream of painting it. You see, sometimes, sometimes what you dream of, you don't picture the demand that comes with it or the responsibility that comes with it or some, sometimes, sometimes you don't see that. You see, sometimes what you pictured isn't even what God promised. You see, I'm trying to get you to understand that sometimes we've been having a picture or dreaming of what this would be like when you got to that spot. And so God's been dealing with me about this idea of being in charge, of being in charge. You see, Joseph's story was less about him going from the pit to the palace. It was more about him going from having a perspective of being in charge to being a servant. And so I want to take some time today because sometimes the way that God deals with me uh, he, to show me what something is, he'll, he'll show me what it isn't first. Like he'll omit some things so then I could figure it out. And so here's what I want to do, because I, I do believe that you're in charge. You're a son, daughter of God. I believe that he, he puts you in positions. You have authority. You have influence. And, and I believe that, but we got to understand what this means. And so here's the first thing I want you to write down. Being in charge isn't a choice. Being in charge isn't a choice. Joseph's story goes from Genesis chapter 37 all the way to Genesis 50. You, you got to go back in your own time and read this story. There's so much in it. But when you go and you read Joseph's story, what's powerful to me is this idea that everywhere Joseph went, he received a promotion, but he never asked to be promoted. Go and read it. Go and read it yourself. Fact check me. Fact check me. Everywhere Joseph went, he was promoted, and he didn't ask for a promotion. I can't see in Scripture where he asked his father to be his favorite son. 
I can't see that he asked his father that. I can't see when he was at Potiphar's house, he never said, make me headmaster. When he went to prison, he never went to the prison ward and said, hey, I could run this side of the wing. And he never went to Pharaoh and said, please, please, please make me second in command. Being in charge isn't a choice. Now, there's two ways we can look at this. One way gets me excited. I start shouting because who knows that God will answer prayers that you don't even have the faith to pray sometimes. That sometimes God will just show up in ways. He'll put you in positions. He'll work some things out and you didn't even ask for it. Some of you are in, in a position right now you got promoted for it and you know you're not qualified for it. Some of you are in rooms that you know you shouldn't be in and you're like, how did I get here? How, 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 how did I find myself in this spot? Moses didn't ask to lead the children of Israel out of slavery. Peter did not ask Jesus to get into his boat. You see, being in charge isn't a choice. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Who's above and not beneath? Who's a lender, not a bar? You see, God will make you, make you. Now, now this scripture right here, the Lord will make you the head. That's something normal we shout about. But when I was studying this time, put it up. This is Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 28. Look at this. It says, the Lord will make you the head. God, what if, what if I don't want all that responsibility? Because what if? What if I don't want all that that comes with being the head? What if I don't want that? And you just going to make me? You just going to make me? The more that I thought about this, I realized, you know, I have twin boys, Carson and Carter. They are eight. They're not eight. They are 11. They're 11. They're 11. They're 11. They're 11. They're 11. Um, and I love these boys. The reason I said eight, because all they do is eat and like over. That's all they're doing. They're just eating everything. But I want to tell you a story about my boys. I, uh, I, I drive home, drive home, and I wouldn't notice. Carson and Carter, they love to play basketball, and they're pretty good. They're pretty good. They love playing ball, and uh, I would drive home. I would drive home, and I would notice basketballs all over, all over the neighborhood. I'm talking like, so there's this basketball goal that all the kids come to, and I drive home, and I see basketballs in the yards. I see basketballs in the street. I just see basketballs all over the place. And so I came into the house that day and I said, hey, hey, listen, boys, um, I need you to make sure when you're done playing basketball, I need you to make sure that all of the balls are put up, put them, put them by, put them by the, the, the garage, put them next to the goal. I don't want them all in the street. I don't want them all out in the yard. Now, I want you to do this for me, too. Sometimes you won't be out there playing and you'll come out there and you'll see all the balls out there and you'll be like, hey, I didn't do it. You're responsible for picking up the basketballs. Even if our neighbor doesn't, even if the boy down the street doesn't, you're responsible for making sure the basketballs get put up. You got my back on this? The boy's like, yeah, dad, I got you. Well, um, a couple days later, I'm driving home and I see basketballs in the street, in the yard. I see basketballs all over the place. I said, hey, boys, come outside. What is this? I see basketballs in the street. I see basketballs in the yard. I told you to be responsible for making sure these basketballs get put up. The first thing out of their mouth. It was Noah. It was Noah next door, dad. It was Noah. 
Son, do I feed Noah? Son, do I, do I buy Noah's men's shoes that they're wearing now? The reason why this is so, so important, because some of you be like, why are you so passionate about making them pick up the basketballs? Why are you so passionate? Because I'm not so passionate about the basketballs and making them do something. I'm passionate about making them into something. You see, God's called me to raise these boys to be strong, confident, responsible men of God. Some of you have been in a season where you're like, God, why are you making me do this? Why are you making me go through this? God, why are you making me? Why are you making me? Why are you making me? And God is like, I'm making you. I'm forming you. My hands are on you. And so sometimes I'm going to ask you to do some things you don't like. Sometimes I'm going to put you in positions that you're struggling with. You got to understand that being in charge, it isn't a choice. And some of you are here today because God's been making you for a long time. Some of you, some of you, don't act prideful now. Don't act prideful now. If it wasn't for the hand of God making you, forming you, there's no way you'd be able to take care of your family. There's no way you'd be able to keep that job. There's no way you'd be able to stay off that substance. There's no way. God's been making you. Tell your neighbor, say, he's making me. He's making me. He's making me. He's making me. Being in charge isn't about you. It isn't about you. Tell your neighbor, say it isn't about you. Now, when you start walking in confidence, you start walking in boldness. You start making sure that you live this thing out. You can walk out this truth that being in charge isn't about you. Now, we're going to pick up at a moment in Joseph's life. Because Joseph has gone through some things, some ups and downs, and we find ourselves where he has been sold into slavery by his brothers, and he's now in Potiphar's house. He's now in Potiphar's house. And, and, and remember, being in charge isn't about you, and so you got to understand that wherever Joseph went, he made an impact. Wherever Joseph went, he made a difference. And I want to show you a picture of this in Genesis chapter 39. We're going to go to verse 2. This is what it says. It says, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw him, the Lord, and that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household, and he entrusted everything that he owned to his care. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because Joseph was there. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had because Joseph was there. Can the same be said about you? Is your family better because you're in it? Is your organization better because you're a part of it? 
Is the team that you're on better because you're on that team? Is your school better because you're a student at that high school? You see, the thing that you got to understand is that being in charge, being in high places, it's not about you. Wherever Joseph went, it was better because of him. That's why, that's why I told you I love my church. But you want to know the real reason I love my church? Is because this is a generous church. Because this is a selfless church. I want to take a moment and celebrate all of the men and women that give faithfully at Elevation Church. I want to thank the men and women that serve faithfully at Elevation Church. I'm talking about our E-Kids volunteers that are taking care of your crazy kids right now. That are teaching them about Jesus right now. I want to thank our parking volunteers that parked your car. I want to thank our ushers that prayed for your seat so that you could come in and step into an atmosphere and feel the presence of God. When our volunteers walked in today, you know what they said? How can I make this place better? How can I make this place better? How can I make a difference? There's some people that walk in and they're just like, hey, I want to hear a word. Where's my word? I want to hear my song. Hey, regardless if you never do anything, this will be a place where God will show up and he'll speak to you and you can get what you need. But there's something different. There's a double blessing that happens when you walk in and you say, God, use me. God, show up in my life. God, I'll, I'll help here. I'll show up there because being in charge isn't about you. When you really get this and you start walking it out, there's a different kind of anointing that starts to come up. I want to let you know that that anointing, anointing is attractive. Anointing is attractive. And, 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 and some of you is like, you, you thought about the good attraction. But here's the thing that I've come to find out is that it's light that attracts bugs, not darkness. You turn a light on, bugs start coming from everywhere at nighttime. And so when you're starting to walk in this confidence, you're starting to walk with this swagger, sometimes some bugs start showing up and you're like, get out my face. I'm, I'm trying to do what God called me to do. And sometimes anointing gets attractive. And we got a moment where Joseph actually experiences the attraction. Now, some of you Bible scholars, you know where I'm going with this. You've read this time and time again, but there's maybe something that God hadn't shown you before because he really spoke to me when I went back and I read it because being in charge isn't about you. You find this in Genesis chapter 39, verses 6 through 9, and I want to break this down a little bit. This is what it says at verse 6. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. You know what? I think, I think it was hot. It was July, and Joseph was walking around the palace in Hoochie Daddy shorts. And I think, um, I think, because if he was wearing baggy clothes, how would they know he was well built? I think. Verse 7. And after. A while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph, and she said, come to bed with me. Now, listen, if you hadn't had this conversation with your child that's in here, I'll let you explain that later. But in verse 8, it says, but he refused. 
With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? I love, I love we can learn from Joseph's heart right here. It's because the more that I thought about it, even though Joseph was in charge, he was still a slave. Even though Joseph was in charge, he still was a slave. So that tells me that it was his duty to do whatever his master told him to do. I am sure Potiphar's wife had told him before, hey, can you go and pick up this trash? I'm sure Potiphar's wife at some point said, hey, can you come here? This is broken. Can you fix it? I'm sure Potiphar's wife at some point said, hey, can you come and bring me a meal? But at the moment when he said, when she says, come and sleep with me, he said, no, I can't do that. You've gone too far. You see, it was his duty to be obedient, but she asked him to do something contrary to his beliefs. What I'm trying to say is, is I don't want you operating out of culture standards. I want you operating out of God's standards. What I'm trying to get you to understand is God has a higher way, a different way. And sometimes you get isolated and you feel alone, but you got to say, no, are you willing to offend God so you won't offend another man? Are you willing? So, so I'm talking, let me talk to the students for a second. When you're walking in school and your friends are telling you to do this or do that, and some of you, there's something inside of you that says, I just need to do it because I, I don't want to offend them. I want you to hear my voice. How about you make a decision today and say, I would rather not offend God. I'd rather hurt your feelings. I'd rather not be in the room. I'd rather not be in the circle. I'd rather be let go. I'd rather lose it all than to defend God. This is so, so important because being in charge is not about you. You got to understand this. Maybe you're running a business right now or, or maybe you're a part of an organization and you're starting to notice that there's some shady things going on. You're starting to understand and, and it's wrestling, it's messing with you because it's like, this is going against my morals. I, 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 feel, I feel conflicted inside. I, I, I'm struggling with this. You see, you got to understand, being in charge is not about you. Your kids are watching you. Your kids are watching. There's some people in the organization watching you because you claim to be a follower of Jesus. It's not about you. You got to make a decision today. Say, I'll get past this. I'll get over this, but I will not offend my God. I will not go against him. So here's the last one that I want you to write down. I want you to write this down. Being in charge isn't the same as being in control. Being in charge isn't the same as being in control. You see, when you look at Joseph's life, you see this thread that there's some things that happened to Joseph that if he was in control, he would have stopped it. If he was in control, it would have never happened. He would have stopped his brothers from selling him into slavery. He would have been able to stop Potiphar's wife from lying on him because you know what happened after, after he had that encounter? Potiphar's wife, she goes and she lies and says that, that, that Joseph came and tried to rape her. He would have stopped that lie and would have never been thrown into prison. And as I was thinking about you, 
So I was thinking about this moment. I wonder what you were dealing with. I wonder what you were going through. I wonder what challenges you face, what diagnoses that that the doctors have given to you. And you're like, hey, if I was in control, this would have never happened. Now, remember earlier, I told you I dreamed of having the house, but I didn't dream of painting the fence. The reason why I said that is because I'm not handy. Um, listen, I, like seriously, I, I am pretty, I'm pretty awful when it comes to you put a hammer in my hand. I'm, I'm just ignorant. Like I just, I don't know what to do, but we, 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 fought, we got a house a few years ago and we've been trying to add some things. And there was this one moment where I was like, Hey, um, I think in the entryway, it'd be good if we had a, a, a coat rack, like that we can hang some coats right in the entryway. We thought it was a good idea. And so we went to Ikea and, um, <laughs> Stop laughing at me. Stop laughing at me. We went to Ikea. We went to Ikea, and it was a simple, simple, simple rack. It was white. The pieces just plugged in. I looked at it. I was like, I can do this. I can do this. So I got home. I downloaded the Leveler app on my iPhone. It was going to be straight. I'm telling you, I got it. And so I went in. I grabbed two nails, grabbed two nails, laid it out. I marked out where the holes would go. I took my hammer and I put the nail in, put the nail in, and I put it on, and I pushed it in. It was looking good. I'm saying it was looking good. It was looking so good. Remember, I told you I'm competitive. I started talking to my wife. I said, hey, babe, look at that. Check that out. Matter of fact, hey, babe, you go get your coat first. Put your, put your coat on first, baby. Put it on first. She went and got her coat. She put that thing on. That thing said, whoop. from the church. I called a guy from church. I was like, hey, I tried to put up this coat rack. I even downloaded the leveler app on my phone. It was straight. But right when my wife put the coat on, it fell off. He said, hey, Chet, he asked me one question. Um, did you find the stud? What is a stud? What, what, it, what are you talking about? What a stud? My, my wife calls me a stud sometimes, but I have no idea what you're talking about. So, so, so God forbid something bad actually happens that I need to fix it. And it happened. It happened. It happened. It happened. It happened. So I want to tell you a quick story about something that happened in, in, our, in, our, in our bathroom. There was this, there was this leak. There was this leak in, in, our, in our master bathtub. It was real, real slow. And I noticed it. Um, and uh, I, I ain't do nothing for a little bit. Um, And so, you know, it was a slow drip. I was like, ah, it's all right. Like, you know, just, ooh. Ooh. I was cool with that. I was cool with that. I was like, we all right. But then it started going a little faster. And I started noticing it going a little faster. I was like, oh, wow, that, that water bill. Let me, let me go check it out. And so I, I, I went down and, and I, got, I got right there by the, by the tub and, and this handle's right here. And, and I was looking at it, seeing the drip. And I said, maybe it just needs a little bit of elbow grease. Maybe it needs a little bit of elbow grease. So I, I, I got enough sense to know that it's supposed to go forward and backwards, forward and backwards. So I was like, okay, let me just turn it on. So I turned it on, let the water start running. And I was like, I'm going to put some elbow grease on it to try to get this thing tight. So I take it and it, it did something funny. It didn't go forward and backwards. That thing said, whoa. I knew. I know it's not supposed to do that. 
I know now the water's flowing out. So I was like, okay, maybe let me just see if I can get it back in place. So I took it, I turned it back in place, and it pops off. Now, I'm a little claustrophobic, so I'm feeling it right now. Water was everywhere. It was in my face. It was, I was drowning. I said, help me, God. Whitney, Carson Carter, help me. The boys come into the room. They got their arms crossed like this, just looking at me. I'm like, help me. I'm about to die. I finally, I finally grab a towel, and I cover it up, and I cover it up. I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I remembered my neighbor. His name's Mike. Um, so Mike, Mike's retired. His garage always open. He's always working on something. So I was like, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Mike can fix this. Mike can fix this. God told me to tell you something right here, because some of you are still praying to God for something he told you to go to a neighbor for. I got to pause right here. I got to pause right here. Some of you, you're struggling in your marriage and you're like, hey, 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 we talk about e-groups all the time and you won't take that step to get some married couples around you to help you, to support you. Some of you still struggling in your finances and there's somebody that knows how to do a budget and you're like, God bless my finances. God's like, go to Mike. So that's what I did. That's what I did. Now, mind you, I'm soaking wet. I'm looking crazy. You know when you're, you get water in your shoes and it starts squishing? I'm running across the street and I get to Mike. I get to Mike. I'm out of breath. And I'm like, hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, listen. Listen. I broke this knob off my, off my faucet. I need you to come. I need you to come. I'm like, I'm thinking that water's going to be coming through the ceiling. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm like, my mind is going down. I said, Mike, come help me. He asked me one question. What do you ask? you do that, Mike? I don't know how to turn the water on. Just come help me. So Mike, so Mike comes up. Mike comes up. We go into the garage. We come into the garage. Mike's amazing. Mike ran across the street barefoot. Barefoot. Barefoot, barefoot. And we get into the garage and he shows me this. He shows me this. This is the main water valve. That's connected to the water main. You see, Mike taught me some things. <laughs> and so, so I'm in the I'm in the garage and I'm seeing this white the, the, the water main and he says, Chet, this is the main valve. It controls the water to the whole house. And so he starts, he turns and he turns it a few times and he turns it off and he says, Now there's no water that's flowing anywhere in the house. And so you can go upstairs and we can go ahead and we can fix that knob for you. God really spoke to me in that moment about our relationship with him because being in charge isn't the same thing as being in control. I saw that God is in control. If he opens a door, nobody can shut it. If he's on, it's flowing to me. But here's the thing. Some of us, we get stuck there. God's in control, but we forget that we're in charge. You see, he's in charge. He turns it on, but my job is to release it. My, my job is to release it. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what happened, but I'm telling you, God's still in his seat. He's still on the throne. He's still sending peace. He's still sending joy. But what are you releasing today? What are you releasing today? I'm trying to get you to understand this because this was so, so pivotal to me. I wanted to tell you guys something 
about this last year and a half in my life. Um, it's, been, it's been a hard year for me and my family. Um, my, my mother was in an accident about a year and a half ago, and uh, she's still in the hospital today. We are still praying and believing that God will just show up in a mighty way. But I, I'd be lying to you if I say my faith, my faith wasn't tested. I, I'd be lying to you if I, if I didn't tell you that I've struggled. I've cried a lot of tears, more tears than I could count thinking about this. And I was like, God, if you've given me all of this authority, I'm leading all of this, and I couldn't stop that. I couldn't stop that from happening. I don't, I don't know what that is for you, that you're like, I wish I could stop it, but you couldn't. I'm not saying God forced it to happen, but here's what I'm understanding, that God is still in control in the midst of whatever it is that I'm dealing with, whatever it is that I'm going through. And when I saw this picture of my relationship with God, the idea that he's still flowing his presence, he's still flowing his peace, he's still showing up, he's still there. You see, here's the thing, right now, he's in control, right? So at your house, the water main, it's on, but nothing's flowing out. What it made me realize is that maybe in the midst of what I'm dealing with, I got I to gotta remember, because here's the thing. The water main, it's in the garage. I don't see that a lot. I don't, so I forget that it's there. I, I have to walk from my room downstairs into the garage to notice that it's on. And there was times in this last year where I was just struggling. I felt empty. I felt dry. And, I, and my mom from a hospital bed started to minister to me because I started to remember some of the darkest moments in our home. And my mom, in the middle of chaos, would start singing. She would start singing praises to God. She showed me what it meant. She showed me what it meant, what it meant to release. Because when I release praise, I get to experience his presence. Wherever you are today, I want to give you a second to release a praise into the atmosphere. He's still in control. He's still in control. He's still on his seat. When you release a praise, you can enter into his presence. Everybody's standing. There's one thing, one more thing I need to show you. There's one more thing I need to show you. I want to go back to where we started. Genesis chapter 41. I want to go back to where we started. Everyone standing, every campus, online, wherever you are, everyone standing. Genesis 41. Remember, this is the moment where Joseph, where Joseph, he stepped into his seat. He's now in charge, and this is what it says. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, 
I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Watch this. So, so Pharaoh, he took his scented ring. He put it on his finger. He dressed him in fine robes of linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in chariots, a second in command. And all the people shouted around him, make way. He put him in charge of everything. He put a ring on his finger. He gave him a new robe, gold chain, even a new car. When you play in the game checkers, you get all the way to the other side of the board. What do you say? You say, king me. There's a piece that goes on another piece. That's a crown. And it's crowning that piece king. Joseph got a ring. He got a robe. He got a new car. Got a gold chain. But he didn't get a crown. Maybe the message is to get you to stop telling the world to king you. And that Jesus is speaking to you right now, saying, make me king, king me. King, king me. Make me king of your heart. Make me king of your family. Make me king of your life. Put me in charge. Put me in control of your finances. King me. Put me in my seat. When Jesus was going to the cross to die for me and you, The enemy took a crown of thorns and he placed it on his head and they wrote king of the Jews. Jesus said, king me. Everyone bow your head, close your eyes. Maybe you're here today and you've been trying to operate in your own strength, trying to operate in your own control. And today is the day that You just need to submit to God. You just need to give it over to him. You need to release it to him. And for some of you, you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You used to talk with God. You used to speak with God. You used to spend time with him, but you walked away because of the pressures of life. What we're going to do right now, we're going to say a prayer of salvation. We're going to say a prayer of surrender. We're going to give you a chance to give your life to Christ, to King him, to make him Lord and Savior of your life. And we say a prayer together as a church family for the benefit of those that are coming to him. So every room, bow your head, close your eyes, online. God's been whispering to you this whole experience, saying, King me, make me Lord of your life. Here's your chance. Repeat after me. Say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died on a cross and rose from the grave to forgive me of my sins. So I give you my sins. I give you my shame. And from this day forward, I'll follow you. Now with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if you just said that prayer and you meant it, making a decision to put your faith in Jesus, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to shoot your hand up boldly so we can celebrate this moment with you. Here we go. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up. You're making decisions to put your faith in Jesus. Come on, church. Lift up and shout of praise. Let's give God glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also help us reach others by investing today at elevationchurch.org slash give. 
And thanks again for joining us on the Elevation Podcast. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.